my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore a Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Bitcoin, it's all over the news, but what is it? You hear lots of different things. It's lots of different things to lots of different people. People talk about it being money, a medium of exchange. Some people say it's only a store of value and will never be a medium of exchange. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's all of that and more. And I want to break down exactly how we can use this as a store of value today. We're going to talk about sort of where it's been, but more importantly, where it's going into the future. And I'm going to break down a strategy of how I've figured out a way of how you can buy this scarce asset. You could own it forever, literally retire off of it and still continue to fund your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids, and so much further. This is a strategy that only the ultra rich have used up until now. But with a technology like Bitcoin, it becomes available to everybody. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. If you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. We talk about the world through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And today we're going to talk about finance and technology. Of course, how Bitcoin is revolutionizing the finance industry, a technology revolutionizing that and how you and I can use this um, to build wealth for generations, generational wealth. Now, before we get into the exact strategies and how you can employ that, we'll talk a little bit about sort of where it's at right now and where it's going. So we'll start there. Now, first of all, if you're not aware, I don't know if you've been living, you know, in a bomb shelter underground or something like that, uh, then if if not, then you already know that Bitcoin has been making uh, massive gains, right? Um, we had the ETF that came out recently and leading up to the ETF, we saw the price of Bitcoin continue to rise over and over and over. And it's not back to its previous all-time high yet, but it's close. It's certainly knocking on the door. But 
point I want to hit on first is that it's not back to its new all-time high. It's not to a new all-time high priced in U.S. dollars. Now, this is one of the reasons why Bitcoin or something like Bitcoin is important, a neutral reserve asset. More importantly, not just a neutral reserve asset. Gold was a neutral reserve asset. A neutral reserve asset, when I say, when I say that, I mean an asset that nobody can control, right? The problem is, is that we use money, dollars, or euros, or yuan, or yen, or pesos as a unit of account. Let me just back it up. Okay, money is an evolutionary process. It's emergent. It's, it's an evolutionary path that could make it, not always does. So money, what we use as money, something to store our energy, our value, store our wealth in, and use as trading, as a medium of exchange to get the goods and services that we want, is, has emerged and evolved throughout history. We've had lots of things be money or medium of exchange or stores of value, and those would be rocks. Those would be feathers. Those would be seashells. Lots of things. Now, gold emerged as that, but let me give you this evolutionary path. It starts with, first, a collectible. Wow, look at this cool rock. Look at this cool shell. It's pretty cool. I like it. I'm going to keep it. Now, it starts as a collectible. Maybe, if, if it has the right attributes, it could evolve from a collectible to a store of value. So we see today, like my kids collected all kinds of things when they were little kids. Uh, one of the things that my, my daughters love to collect were these uh, little little pet shops. They're like little tiny figurines, like little bobbleheads. We had hundreds of these things. They collected them, right? Every new release that came out, they had to have it, but it never evolved to a store of value. Even though we had hundreds, we had like containers full of these things, um, we never stored our wealth in them, right? They're not worth anything. But some collectibles do become a store of value. So baseball cards, collectibles that a lot of people store their wealth in watches, fine art, old cars, paintings, right? You get that. Pokemon cards, even people store their wealth in those. All right. So some of these collectibles, not, po not, not the pet shops, but some collectibles do make it to the evolutionary path of becoming a um, store of value. Then maybe not all of them, most of them not, but if they have the right attributes, they could evolve to the next stage, which is a medium of exchange. All right. Now, in order to evolve into that, it has to have the right attributes of moneyness. So that's divisibility, portability, fungibility, sellability, things like that. Right. So like a pet shop isn't going to make a good form of money because it's not divisible. It's just one pet shop. A cow can't be a good form of money because a cow is not divisible. A cow is not portable. How do I, how do I transport a, a cow? Uh, a banana is not durable. I can't store my wealth in bananas because they're going to go bad. Okay, if it evolves to a medium of exchange, then eventually it could evolve to what we call a unit of account where we start to measure things in it. And so now we're back to the measuring thing. So you have to understand that everything in life is a trade and fiat currency, basically the dollar or whatever currency you're in is one half of every transaction. So how much is a gallon of gas? $4.69, $4.69 per gallon. How much is a house? $300,000. How much is a steak dinner? $60, right? So everything's measured in that unit of account. But here's the problem. One, we have lots of units of account. So we have dollars, yuan, yuan, pesos, etc. But more importantly, number two, is that each one of those denominators in the equation is constantly being manipulated, adjusted, 
It's like I'm trying to build a house with an elastic tape measure. So back to what I was talking about. Sorry, long way, long way around here. Um, the U.S. Uh, Bitcoin has not made a new all-time high priced in U.S. dollars, but it did just hit new all-time highs in 14 different countries this week. Not one, not two, not three. We're talking about 14 different countries that it hit uh, this week. So that's a pretty big deal. Now, again, this kind of highlights the point of the problem that we have, which is one of the parts that Bitcoin is here to solve, is that we don't have a neutral reserve asset. Everybody is managing on their own. Now, what are the 14 countries that it hit? Uh, Argentina, Burundi, Congo, Egypt, Ghana, Japan, Laos, Lebanon, Malawi, Nigeria, Pakistan, Sierra Leone, Sudan, and Turkey. So each one of those nations um, just hit a new all-time high in Bitcoin. The dollar, uh, my good friend Brent Johnson, Santiago Capital, I've had him on my main YouTube channel many times, um, he talks about the dollar milkshake theory, and the dollar milkshake theory is that the dollar will suck the liquidity out of all the other currencies, and that's exactly what's happening. So the dollar is like, like this dollar milkshake. It's draining liquidity out of all the other fiat currencies. And so we're seeing these currencies, as I've just mentioned, Lebanon, Turkey, Peru, um, Venezuela, Argentina, all of these currencies are collapsing as the dollar is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. But the dollar is getting stronger and stronger and stronger against other currencies. It's not getting stronger against other assets. That is a very key piece that you have to hit on. But back to this point that we're talking about. So we've seen it now, um, as I said, 14 currencies. It's got back to a new, new all-time high. Another key piece that I want to talk about Bitcoin just real quickly, a lot of people think that it's not a good store of value. Uh, how can it be a good store of value when it's very volatile? Well, first of all, volatile means that it goes up and down. So um, I guess store value means it never changes, but as my favorite economist, Ludwig von Mises says, that in the world of economics, there's no such thing as a constant. So if you're using things like oil or gold to measure, well, the amount of oil and gold is changing all the time. So there's never a constant until now there is, right? So Bitcoin has a fixed supply. And so um, it is a good store of value, but it's volatile and it's going up. But if you look at it over any short-term period, you could say, well, but look, it's down. So for example, I just said that uh, right now, Bitcoin's sitting around $52,000 and the high was set at 69,000. So Mark, how can you say it's a good store of value? I bought it at 69,000 and it's only worth 52. I lost my value. It's not a good store of value. It's not a good hedge against inflation. I lost money. Well, what I'd say about that is that you have to zoom out. And what we can see is that Bitcoin is a, a four-year bet. So in business, in finance, we have what we call cycles. We have long-term business cycles. We have debt and credit cycles. Uh, we have real estate cycles. And we also have Bitcoin cycles. And so whether it's a business or an investment or a real estate or Bitcoin, you have to understand the cycles Otherwise, you're kind of talking like somebody who's not really well informed. But I don't want that to happen. I want you to be informed. So let me break it down for you. It's actually pretty simple, but I got to take a very quick break. If you're just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about Bitcoin and its evolutionary path. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back.
Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin cycles, business cycles, real estate cycles, credit cycles, and so much more. So what I was talking about is uh, Bitcoin is making new all-time highs in 14 currencies, not yet in the U.S. dollar. Um, And actually, when you adjust the U.S. dollar for inflation, back to them being so manipulated, if we look at that, the Bitcoin is nowhere near back to an all-time high because the dollar isn't worth near what it used to be back then. But going back to what I'm talking about here, so we know that there's business cycles, there's credit, debt cycles, uh, like I said, even real estate. So I started my career in real estate as a real estate investor, and I still own and buy a lot of real estate. Um, Typically, the sort of rule of thumb with real estate would be like for your house, like don't buy a house unless you plan to hold it for at least five years. And the reason why is because over a five-year period, even though real estate has gone down before it typically comes back up and so you're going to be pretty safe if you have at least a five-year record with businesses specifically you know bigger businesses it typically takes years to make uh to to become profitable right so you're investing money investing money you're building 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 eventually becomes profitable for a big business you know something that might go public like a publicly traded company typically you have like a 10-year period which is why with like venture capital and things like that they have a 10-year holding period so i know if i invest in this early stage company i gotta just sit back and wait for 10 years I know if I buy this piece of real estate, I got to sit back and wait for five years. And Bitcoin is like the same way. If you buy Bitcoin, you need to sit back and wait for four years. What we can see going back through now uh, about 15 years of data that there's never been a four year period that Bitcoin has been down. Um, so in this four year cycle, during a four year investment period, Bitcoin has never had annualized returns under 30%. 
Now, let's put this into perspective. The S&P 500, which has been absolutely crushing it, averages, depends on what period, is it a 60-year cycle, an 80-year cycle, depends, is it over the last 12 months, right? So what what period, but over like a 60-year period, the S&P 500 returns about seven and a half, eight percent Kind of depends on what period that is, but somewhere in the seven, eight percent range, right? Okay, so during a four-year investment period, any any four-year period, Bitcoin's never had annualized returns under less than 30%. That's pretty good. No matter how bad you time the investment uh, market, if you would have bought at the at the previous peak in, in uh, 2017, doesn't matter where you're at, within four years, you would average at least 30%, all right? So that's pretty good. It's, uh, man, what was that four or five times what the S&P 500 has done? Now, if we look at uh, the four-year investment period against other assets, we can see, like I said, Bitcoin has about 30 to 60% annualized returns in that four-year period. The S&P 500 is at about a 10% annualized return. Real estate has had about a 10% return as well. Why have a S&P 500 and real estate both had about 10%? Because they're perfect proxies for inflation. Perfect proxies. What does that mean? That means they basically move up at the rate of inflation. So you're not making money, but at least you're sort of protecting or offsetting your losses. Whereas Bitcoin isn't just keeping up with inflation, it's beating inflation, which is what we want, right? Uh, the goal, I mean, obviously, step number one, don't lose your money, right? Don't, don't let the state steal your money through inflation, step number one. But two, how can we get ahead? And if you're just making your 10% in real estate or in S&P 500, you're not getting ahead, now, let's go back and just look at some math. Let's not, let's not go too far back. Again, we can cherry pick data, but there's two big epochs of the financial world that I talk about quite a bit, and I think we have to understand the world through this lens, the finance world through this lens. In 2008, the world changed. The way that central banks and governments interact in financial markets changed forever, and it's only been accelerating. So what happened? In 2008, in the United States, the Federal Reserve launched quantitative easing. Not only did they launch quantitative easing where they started pumping money into the markets, but they started pumping money into certain parts of the market like buying mortgage-backed securities, buying bonds, things like that. And that forever changed the way the world works. So a lot of times when you're looking at financial data, if you go back pre-2008, you can't just take that forward because it's not the same. The second epoch was basically a continuation of that first one, and this is the, the pandemic. So in 2020, the world changed. The world had never seen the entire economy literally shut down overnight. Businesses that have been in business for decades just shut down. We've never seen that before. And we also, again, never saw the central banks of the world work in markets like they had done in 2020. Um, it's, it's, it's 2008 times 1,000, right? Um, so instead of uh, very slowly, uh, very... Um, minimally affecting the markets, they just jumped full bore in, which is why in 2008, when the S&P 500 dropped about 60%, it took seven years to get back to a previous all-time high. But in 2020, the market dropped about the same, but it took like three months. All right. So we have to understand there's two different epochs. So I don't want to cherry pick data, but a lot of data that we look at from a financial standpoint is sort of from a 2008 or from a 2020 standpoint. So let's just look at from 2020. So in 2020, the world was locked down. Complete chaos. We didn't know if we were all going to die. We didn't know what was going on. And uh, the governments of the world did something that they'd never done before, which is send everybody in the world a stimmy check. Did you get one? I didn't get one, unfortunately. But um, I think you had to make less than $75,000. I didn't get a stimmy check, but they sent stimmy checks 1200 bucks to everybody. Now, some people, most people, use that money for DoorDash, <laughs> uh, groceries, 
to pay rent. A lot of people started gambling with it, like Robinhood took off, everyone's trading options, doing cryptocurrencies. Um, a lot of people took trips, whatever it was. A lot of people just took the stimmy and they spent it, which is what the government wanted, right? They wanted it to stimulate the economy. But if we would have taken that $1,200, which I'm sure many people have, taken that $1,200 and put it into Bitcoin at that time, and we fast forward to today, now about four years later, that $1,200 investment into Bitcoin is now worth $9,230, from $1,200 to $9,200. That's a 669% return, 669% return. Now, that's crazy, right? If you used your $1,200 for the stimulus purposes they wanted, uh, and you bought a bunch of food at the grocery store or DoorDash, you probably gained a bunch of weight. But if you would have put it into Bitcoin, you would have gained a bunch of money. So the takeaway that I want to point to here is that if you have the right term perspective and look, if you don't have the right term perspective, you have no business investing your money. I, I, I've talked about this before. I get asked all the time, Mark, what's the best asset I should buy? And it's like, if you don't know the answer to that, you probably shouldn't be buying anything. Even if I told you what the best investment is, you probably shouldn't buy it because you don't understand it. You won't understand how much you should buy. How much should you buy? What you should you be watching? What if there's new information that comes out that, that says we need to sell, right? And so like, if you don't understand enough to know what to buy, you're certainly not gonna know enough to like manage that safely. It's, and it's something I say quite a bit, which is that the risk is always in the investor and not the investment. So I talk about this quite a bit, like in terms of like surfing, if I took you to Hawaii and to pipeline where the waves are 30 feet and you're from Kansas, you've never been in the ocean before. And I took you out there, you would probably drown. Okay. But there's hundreds of people out there every day, just playing, having fun in the waves. You see, so the risk isn't in the wave necessarily. It's in the surfer or the person that goes out into the waves. And the same is true with your investments. The risk is in the investor. It's in you. So again, if you don't understand that there's business cycles, there's investment cycles, there's debt and credit cycles, there's Bitcoin cycles, there's real estate. If you don't understand those things, then you probably shouldn't invest in the first place, which is why I'm breaking it down for you right here. If you're just tuned in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show, we're talking about Bitcoin, uh, the past, the present, and more importantly, where it's going and how buying a little bit of Bitcoin today could potentially retire you for the rest of your life. I'm gonna break all that down, break down the math. If you're just tuning in again, like I said, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'll be back after a very short break. Don't go away, I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. 
It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about the most groundbreaking, revolutionary technology the world has ever seen, which, of course, is Bitcoin. And I know that sounds a little bit hyperbole, uh, hyperbolic, uh, whatever, however you say that word, um, because a lot of people say it's just like old technology. It's like an old rock. And Mark, you don't know what you're talking about. It has scaling issues. Okay, those are like 2016 arguments. You're still bringing those up. Uh, things change. And I'm old enough to have been around uh, pre-internet. And I remember using the internet as it was being developed. And the internet would never scale. No one would ever use it. Um, I've been there. As a matter of fact, um, I've told this story before. In, uh, in, in uh, 2001, so we had the dot-com run-up. And then we, in 2000, we had the dot-com crash. In 2001, the year after the big crash, I had this great idea that I was going to build an e-commerce website and sell products online. And the problem is, is that back then there was no like WordPress or Shopify. There was no Amazon, eBay. There was no, well, Amazon was there, but it, at the time it wasn't really being used for that. Um, so there's really no way for me to just go sell e-com. And I had to hire a developer. And I, th I think I spent like $25,000 back then, which is a lot of money, um, to build just like the most basic of like e-commerce stores you can imagine, right? And then I wanted to start selling products. I was in the um, action sports, specifically in like the motocross niche. And um, I went to these companies and I said, hey, I want to sell your products on my website. And they laughed at me. And they told me that nobody would ever buy anything online. It was ridiculous. And I'm like, uh, well, I think they will. And, um, you know, you could be right. I could be right. But I'm willing just to give you the money. I'll buy your stuff. And a lot of companies told me that they didn't even want their products being sold on the internet because it was, it had this stigma, you know, it had just had this big crash. Everyone thought it was a scam. It was never going to scale. As a matter of fact, the, the, the internet had been around since like the seventies and eighties through like DARPA, the military, but the first WWW, the first public website was in 1990. The first Bitcoin, I'm sorry, the first internet purchase was 1994, 1995. We had the IPO. Netscape, which then set the whole thing into motion to go into 2000. But yet by 2000, about 30 years after the internet was invented, 10 full years after it went completely public, six full years after the first um, purchase. And this is in 2000. This is when it's all over TV and it's pets.com. It's webvan.com. Even then, less than 10% of people had ever bought anything online because it just takes time. It just takes time. And it, it also wasn't very usable. The internet was hard to use. It was way too slow. And it wasn't really until about 2007 when the iPhone came out that really the internet started taking off. Now, it's a long, long story. But here we are back to Bitcoin. I know it's uh, old technology. It's very slow. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's old technology. The point that I was going to make is that I've heard that a hundred, 
I've heard it a thousand, I've heard it 10,000 times before. Technology scales, you just gotta give it time and we're there. Now, back to the point that I'm making. So uh, we talked about where Bitcoin is. It's um, it's it's eating all these other currencies. It's made a high in 14 currencies. Um, where could it go is anybody's guess, but there are some educated guesses that we can have and they sound a little crazy, but I'm gonna go ahead and throw them out to you anyway. What we do know is since Bitcoin's inception, it's averaged about a 200% compounded annual growth rate. We do know that, okay? But again, as we say in the finance world, that past performance is no guarantee of future performance. So just because it's had that doesn't mean it will continue to that. Uh, it could, it couldn't, we don't know the answer to that. Uh, but what we do, so like back to sort of like venture capital investing, what we do is we try to we try to guess this. When I'm investing into a business, an early round business, venture capital, my goal, because they say I'm, I'm raising 15 million at a 60 million valuation, I'm like, where are you getting a $60 million valuation from? Well, I'm going into the food space and I'm gonna disrupt these couple companies and this market is this big and if I can get this percentage of that market, it would give me that market cap, right? And so we can look at Bitcoin the same way. So like what assets, what asset classes, what businesses, what sectors is it disrupting? How much could it get from there? Now, there's a bunch of ways we can do this. We can look at growth rates. We can look at Metcalf's law for scaling. Um, we can look at the, the supply demand curve of Bitcoin because we know that in advance. Um, we can look at the asset categories that's breaking down. So we can look at a couple different measurement tools. And let me just run you through a couple of those. Now, first of all, we sort of, we know the supply demand curve. We know the metrics that it runs on. And so if we look at that alone, it's gonna sound kind of crazy, but per Fidelity, which puts out amazing research on Bitcoin, they've been in Bitcoin since 2014, I believe, when they started mining it. Per Fidelity's own research, they say that by 2038, Bitcoin could be $1 billion per Bitcoin. Now, I do wanna point this out, that when Bitcoin is worth $1 billion, it's not in today's dollars. Okay, you have to understand that in time, when, when we start to have heavy inflation, sort of like what we've been having, but even worse, like in Zimbabwe, for example, everybody became a billionaire. Everyone was a billionaire in Zimbabwe. The problem was it was 350 billion for one single egg. And so you have to keep this in mind. Like you already know, like $100,000 doesn't buy you what $100,000 did 20 years ago. When I was a kid, uh, like being a millionaire was everything. And today being a millionaire, like in California, like you could still be broke. So you have to understand that when in 2038, when they're projecting to be worth a billion, a billion dollars is not that much money. A billion dollars might be like a million dollars, you know, something like that. Um, so that's, that's their projection. Okay. But that's based off the supply demand curve and the growth rate and Metcalf's law and things like that. But if we look at like industries it's um, it's disrupting and stealing value from, we can get different calculations. So for example, we look at Bitcoin as a store of value. Great, so what other things are we storing our wealth in today? Well, we store our wealth in gold. We, st we store our wealth, store our value in stocks, in real estate, in offshore bank accounts, um, things like that. So if we add those up, 30 to 40 trillion offshore bank accounts, 12 to 13 trillion dollars in gold, 80 trillion dollars of stocks. If we add that up, 350 trillion in real estate, uh, we get to about 700 trillion dollars. So could it get 2% of that? 
Could it get 5% of it? Could it get 10% of it? And the answer is yes, like of course it can. Um, and so that could easily push Bitcoin up to two, three, four, five million dollars. The, the, the guess is how quickly could it get to that point? And we don't know. Um, I'm thinking that maybe a million dollars by the end of the decade could be somewhat realistic. I know that sounds crazy right now. We could go even further. So we know that if we look at total assets in the world, we have about 900 trillion. 900 trillion. Now, we talked about at the beginning of this, the evolutionary path that collectibles go on to becoming maybe some of them go on to becoming a unit of account. So that means it goes from a remember the, the path, right? So it starts as a collectible goes to a store value goes to a medium exchange, and then it could go to a unit of account. If it becomes a unit of account, then everything is priced in that unit of account. So if you take if you think about it like this, nobody wants money, which is crazy, right? What we want is the goods and services that money buys us. So we use money as a place to park our wealth, to store our value until we're ready to deploy it to get the goods and services that we want. Think about it like that. So basically what you have is all the goods and services in the world divided by all the money in the world. And if we get more goods and services, then the value of that money has to go up. So if, we, if, if Bitcoin makes this evolutionary path, completes the evolutionary path and is able to go, we're already at the medium of exchange stage. We're somewhere in between the store value and medium of exchange stage. If we can complete that and move to a unit of account, maybe in a decade, maybe it's two decades, maybe it's three decades. If we get to that unit of account, we could reprice $900 trillion worth of wealth in Bitcoin. Now, hang on. This sounds crazy. I know, but 900 trillion divided by 21 million brings a $42 million price per Bitcoin. Now, I know that sounds absolutely crazy, and it is, uh, but that's a potential. Now, this potential doesn't mean it'll get there. It's potential, but I want to talk to you. Uh, let's, let's, let's take, that, let's take the, those big numbers off and let's scale it back, and let's make it more practical for you. I'm going to come up with some numbers and tell you specifically how you could retire off of an asset like Bitcoin. I'll be back with more in a minute. After a very short break, don't go away. Be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore a Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax. For
for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about... Uh, Bitcoin. We're talking about the potential of where it could go potentially on price point. And more importantly, we're going to talk about how you could leverage an asset like Bitcoin to retire off of. Now, I want to just throw this out there. You can apply this to any asset. You could apply it to stocks. You can apply it to bonds. You can apply it to um, gold. You can apply it to real estate. So this strategy is what the rich use in order to grow wealth really, really fast. And again, it doesn't have to be with Bitcoin. It can be with anything. Now, it works better with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the best performing asset. So the better the asset performs, the easier it is to enact this strategy. Um, it works very well with, with real estate as well because of the readily available um, mortgage loans. So I love to do it with real estate. I love to do it with Bitcoin. But you can certainly do it with stocks. You can certainly do it with gold, et cetera. All right. So what am I talking about? We're talking about buying an asset and then never selling it. When somebody asks me, Mark, at what price will you sell your Bitcoin? I'm like, you don't understand the game. The goal is to get more assets, not more dollars. I mean, I wanna get more dollars just so I can get more assets, but the goal is to get more assets. It's like nobody buys a drill, they buy the hole. I don't want the drill, I want the hole, but I gotta get the drill. So I don't want the money, I want the assets. And so when someone says, All right, what, uh, when are you gonna sell your Bitcoin? It's like, you don't understand the game. The game is to get more assets. And the goal is to get assets and never sell them because the goal isn't money, the goal is assets. And the goal is for me to pass those assets to my kids and those, my kids to pass them to my grandkids, et cetera. So what you want to do is you want to buy scarce property, scarce assets, waterfront property, right? Um, downtown city blocks. And then you never sell them. If my great, great grandfather had bought, you know, eight square blocks of downtown Manhattan in New York city, when would have been the right time to sell those? I mean, the answer is never, never. Cause if you sold those eight blocks, how would you ever buy those eight blocks back again? You would never be able to get that again. You can maybe buy one block, I mean, maybe one building on a block. You never get eight blocks back, right? Because it's too scarce. So you never sell it. What you want to do, and, and the other reason why you never want to sell it is because of taxes. Taxes are the, are the best way to lose all your wealth. So if you're in a heavy tax state like California, for example, and you're the top income bracket, you're, bracket, you're paying 50% tax. So let me break this math, math down for you. If I were to buy $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, and it doubles to 200,000, which I think is likely in the next 12 to 14 months. So I have 100,000, it, it doubles to 200,000. Well, I'm like, well, shoot, I need 100,000 to go buy this piece of real estate or go launch this business or to put into gold, whatever I wanna do with it. Um, I would have to sell the $200,000 worth of Bitcoin to get the 200 grand, but then I would owe tax. So then 50% goes to tax and I'm left with 100 grand. I didn't really make any money. Well. Theoretically, I'm only paying tax on the profit, so I'd end up with 150 gram, okay. Um, or what I could do is I could, I could keep the Bitcoin, I could borrow 100,000 against it. And the beauty of that is that's debt, so it's tax-free. So now I get the 100 grand, but I still have the $200,000 in Bitcoin. So that still goes up in value. 
So now as Bitcoin continues to go up in value, that 200 grand is going to 250, 300, 350, 400 versus if I had sold it, I'm just out of the game altogether. The goal is to not get out of the game. If you haven't noticed, prices just continue going up. Homes just get more expensive, right? Cars just get more expensive. And the problem is if you're not in the game, which is the problem for millennials today, if you're not in the game, all you do is get further and further behind. It's easy for the millennial, or it's easy for the boomers because they bought when it was cheap, and they just keep rolling that equity over, rolling the equity over, rolling the equity over. But if you're not in the game, it gets very difficult to get in, and that's what happens if you were to sell your Bitcoin or sell that trophy property. It's very difficult to get back in. So what you want to do is keep that trophy property, allow it to keep going up in value, and leverage debt against it because it's tax-free, and you still have the asset to compound the value for you. Does that make sense? That's the goal. Let's talk about some of the numbers that potentially could be behind this, all right? So I'll, I'll run you through this. Now, first of all, like I said, this can happen on any asset. You can do this on real estate. It's what my good friend Robert Kiyosaki does. Uh, when Robert and I, he's been my mentor for 25 years in books, but we became friends um, after I started going on to speak the speaking circuit, if you will, speaking at all these different conferences and things like that. And I remember uh, specifically at our mutual friend, George Gammon's conference, he was calling me out from stage. I was sitting in the crowd uh, because I was living in Puerto Rico at the time. And he's like, oh, these guys like Mark Moss moving all the way to Puerto Rico with their families so they don't, they can lower their tax liability. They don't understand the rich like me don't pay taxes. That's what he would say. So Robert Kiyosaki doesn't pay taxes because he uses the strategy that the 1% use, which is to leverage debt. So they buy, you buy the real estate, you let the real estate go up in value, you borrow money against the real estate, that comes out tax-free. Let's talk about how you can do that with Bitcoin. So let's just say Bitcoin is not going to continue a 200% growth rate. This year, I think it will, 150% next year then it's probably going to drop by 50%. Then it's going to go up 100%. Then it's going to go up by 50%. Then it's going to drop 35%. So it's going to, about what we've seen for the last 15 years, you have like four good years, one down year. Four good years, one down year. So I've sort of projected it like that. So let's just say hypothetically you buy $100,000 worth of Bitcoin today. And in uh, a year, it's worth $300,000 in Bitcoin. Then it goes up 150%. So now you have, it's worth 750000 Then it goes up 100%. It's worth 375000 it goes up 100%, it's worth 750,000. Okay, now on year five, what I could do is I can take a loan, I can borrow against my Bitcoin, and I would only put 10% at risk. Leverage is very dangerous, okay? You could lose everything if you don't use credit properly. So I'm only advocating for 10%. It's not gonna, you're not gonna die with 10% leverage. If, at worst, you just sell it, right? you just cash it in. That 10% gives you $75,000. So now you have 75 grand of debt that's non-taxable. The next year, you borrow 10% again, and then you take that money, you pay off the previous debt, and you're left with $75,000 again of free cash flow. The next year, you can borrow 10% again, which is enough to pay off the previous debt and give you 75,000 again. The next year, you borrow 10% again. The next year you have to go up to 20% because of the way Bitcoin dropped down. But each time I borrow, it gives me enough money to pay off the previous debt and have about 75 grand to of free cash flow to live. Now I have this all on a calculator spreadsheet. If you want to get it, you can go to my website at, um, my website is onemarkmoss.com. That's the number one, onemarkmoss.com. You can download this entire worksheet, uh, workbooks. So you can understand this a little bit better. 
But not only is the uh, the amount of debt that we're leveraging stays about the same, it, it goes anywhere from 10 to 12%. It goes as high as 20% in one year, but then it drops down into 8%, 7%, 6%. 6%. Um, and each year, the amount of free cash flow in debt that we keep goes up as well, starting at 75,000 and uh, in year 20, going up to as high as 231,000. Why? Uh, because inflation. <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to make that much more. if In 20 years from now, the equivalent of 75 grand is going to be about 230 grand, which is again, why you need to be doing something like this. Because if you're not keeping up with or beating inflation, you're only falling further behind. Now at the end of a 20 year cycle in this worksheet, you have taken out $2.4 million of debt, but that's against $50 million worth of assets. You ever heard uh, this? I've tweeted about it before, but die with debt. So what you want to do is you want to leverage debt and you can die with debt. So I die with two and a half million dollars worth of debt against $25 million of assets. So what? So what? So we want to leverage debt. This is what the rich do. They don't pay taxes. Imagine if when you pay taxes, you lose 50%, how much slower your wealth grows versus if you don't pay taxes and how much faster it can grow. Now, there's way more advanced strategies on the back of this, what I call the velocity of money, but I don't have time to get into all that. We're gonna wrap it up here. If you want this worksheet and all the instructions and the videos that goes with it, just go to my website, onemarkmoss.com, the number one Mark Moss. Uh, you can download it, it's all for free. Uh, it's, a, it's a free tool for you um, to sort of help you plot this out. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, of course, we're always talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing. And you either get with it and you take advantage of it or you fall further behind. We talk about it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. If you're listening on the radio, this is my last radio show. So keep up with me on the podcast at it's, uh, The Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player or on YouTube at Market Disruptors. And that's what I got. Thanks so much for listening. Till next time. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.